from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans, and yet there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Hi, this is Newt. 2020 is going to be one of the most extraordinary election years of our lifetime. I want to invite you to join my inner circle as we discuss each twist and turn in the presidential race in my members-only Inner Circle Club. You'll receive special flash briefings, online events, and members-only audio reports from me and my team. Here is a special offer for my podcast listeners. Join my Inner Circle today at newtsinnercircle.com slash podcast. And if you sign up for a one- or two-year membership, you'll get 10% off your membership price and a VIP Fast Pass to my live events. Join my inner circle today at newtsinnercircle.com slash podcast. Use the code podcast at checkout. Sign up today at newtsinnercircle.com slash podcast and use the code podcast. Hurry, this offer expires February 14th. this episode of Newt's World, I want to share with you a very bold, dramatic vision of where America could go in space if we can get our act together and if we can get the political will to provide the support necessary to make the dream come true. The United States is at a crossroads. For the first time in over half a century, we could cease to be the leading power in space. The momentum of the Chinese program and its increasing outreach to other countries means that within a decade, the United States could lose militarily, technologically, and economically in space. That outcome would be catastrophic. President Trump understands how real this threat is 
and has begun to revitalize America's commitment to space. On the 4th of July, he asserted, quote, I want you to know that we are going to be back on the moon very soon, and someday soon we will plant the American flag on Mars, close quote. The new Artemis project is not the Apollo project 50 years later. It is something profoundly different. Imagine that the first woman and man on the moon stay for three weeks, 50% longer than all six Apollo visits combined. Imagine that their 21 days are spent assembling the pre-positioned materials to create a work and living space comparable to an Antarctic scientific research station. Imagine that they were joined by a second crew just before they returned to Earth, so the new development had permanent habitation. That kind of permanent development is what President Trump has in mind. President Trump has launched America on a Moon-Mars development project, which will change the future of the entire human race. The Moon-Mars Development Project is as daring and as revolutionary for our generation as was President John F. Kennedy's proposal to Congress on May 25, 1961. I believe that this nation should commit itself to achieving the goal before this decade is out of landing a man on the moon and returning him safely to the Earth. It's easy to forget that this goal which we celebrate the 50th anniversary of achieving, was at the time received very skeptically by the American people. Gallup estimated that 58% of Americans were opposed. President Kennedy expanded on the reasoning behind our decision to go to the moon in a remarkable speech at Rice University on September 12, 1962. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that goal will serve to organize and measure the best of our energies and skills. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept, one we are unwilling to postpone, and one we intend to win. The initial reaction to President Trump's challenge of a joint Moon-Mars development project was to translate it back into something we were already familiar with. Because we've been used to the language of getting to the moon, and we're in the midst of celebrating the great story of the Apollo Project, which 50 years ago first landed humans on our nearest neighbor, we've had a hard time coming to grips with how much bigger and more profound the Trump Moon-Mars Development Project is. As Vice President Pence said at the National Space Council in Huntsville, Alabama, on March 26, 2019, 50 years ago, one small step for man became one giant leap for mankind. But now's come the time for us to make the next giant leap and return American astronauts to the moon, establish a permanent base there, and develop the technologies to take American astronauts to Mars and beyond. That's the next giant leap. Note the direct connection between the moon development and going on to Mars and as the vice president put it, and beyond. The news media 
and much of the NASA bureaucracy in Congress have not yet come to grips with how big, how different, and how profound this new program is. President Trump's recent tweet, quote, For all of the money we are spending, NASA should not be talking about going to the moon. We did that 50 years ago. They should be focused on the much bigger things we are doing, including Mars, of which the moon is a part. Defense and science, close quote, has been widely misunderstood. The president was not trying to minimize lunar development or suggest cutting the moon development project. He was putting the moon in context. We are not trying to repeat the Apollo experience, as remarkable as it was. Our goal is not just getting to the moon. We've already done that. Our goal is to settle and develop the moon and Mars and turn them into industrial centers, which will then enable us to explore the rest of the solar system and beyond. The Trump vision of space development is as bold and revolutionary as the Kennedy vision was in 1961. And just as achieving President Kennedy's goal required a whole new structure and system, so achieving President Trump's vision will require far more change and far more invention than anyone is currently prepared for. When we come back, we're going to talk about the real difference between the traditional patterns and what we're now trying to develop. I was delighted when the first sponsor of Newt's World was Oxford Gold Group. I love entrepreneurial startups of people who are eager, willing to go out and do new and different things. And as a historian, I know that having a balanced portfolio is a very important thing. And they offer financial information and background information that I think uh, is very helpful. So whatever you decide to do in the end, I think you'll find the information they have is really worthwhile. And that's why I'm delighted to introduce you to the Oxford Gold Group. Most of us still remember what happened to our 401ks and IRAs back in 2008 during the financial crash. In a flash, millions of hardworking Americans lost more than half of their retirement and savings. Many of us still haven't recovered those losses, even as the stock market reached record highs. Did you know that while the stock market crashed, the price of gold and silver skyrocketed? In fact, investors who had the foresight to diversify a portion of their retirement and savings before the 2008 meltdown watched as the price of gold and silver went up over 300%. While millions of Americans lost their nest eggs in the stock market, many others were able to make gains most people had never seen before. Call the Oxford Gold Group today at 1-833-327-9472 or visit oxfordgoldgroup.com slash newtsworld and request your free investor's guide. Investing in precious metals with the Oxford Gold Group is safe and secure. We tailor investment packages to suit any portfolio. Don't risk the future of your IRA, 401k, or savings on paper investments. Protect your retirement and savings with physical assets like gold and silver. Nobody knows when the next financial crisis will happen. Get prepared by talking to the Oxford Gold Group by calling one 327 9472 or by visiting oxfordgoldgroup.com slash newtsworld. Financial security is just a phone call away.
President Kennedy wanted to reach the moon, and for his generation, that was an enormous, risky, and daunting challenge. President Trump wants to develop the moon and Mars, and for our generation, that will be an enormous, risky, and daunting challenge. Then the next generation can build on this accomplishment to make travel throughout the solar system and travel by families a normal part of the human experience, with large numbers of free people living and working in space. Our goal is to develop the moon, use it as a training base for extraterrestrial operations, manufacturing, mining, and lunar science, and then launch on, as the vice president said, to Mars and beyond. This is the beginning of genuine space industrialization that will bring huge new resources into the human system and create an untold number of new jobs. The development of a lunar industrial facility will be as big a milestone in the history of the human race as the landing of Apollo 11 a half century ago. John Marburger, President George W. Bush's science advisor, in 2006 put the case for developing the moon. Quote, The moon has unique significance for all space applications for a reason that, to my amazement, is hardly ever discussed in popular accounts of space policy. The moon is the closest source of material that lies far up Earth's gravity well. Anything that can be made by lunar material at cost comparable to Earth manufacture has an enormous overall cost advantage compared with objects lifted from the Earth's surface. The greatest value of the moon lies neither in science nor in exploration, but in its material. I am talking about the possibility of extracting elements and minerals that can be processed into fuel or massive components of space apparatus, the production of oxygen in particular, the major component by mass of chemical rocket fuel, is potentially an important lunar industry. Close quote. This focus on developing the moon and Mars and on commercially viable space industrialization makes the Artemis project profoundly bigger than a mere repeat of the Apollo program. For example, the first woman on the moon will be an American, and she will be there in five years. On her first visit to the moon, she will be there longer than the combined 299 hours, a little over 14 days, that all six Apollo landings combined spent on the moon. The first team landing in 2024 should stay at least three weeks, and ideally should stay until the first replacement work team arrives. This serious, determined approach to lunar development requires a series of pre-positioned logistics packages. Essentially, the combination of 3D printing, robotics, distance management, and artificial intelligence should enable us to pre-position the equivalent of an Antarctic scientific station. The newly arrived moon developers should have a substantial amount of resources already available and should be able to spend their initial weeks building out the initial infrastructure for the follow-on, much larger development team. Landing in 2024 is just the beginning of the great adventure. The following two or three years should see a very substantial increase in the size of the station, the number of people working there at any one time, and the space flight logistics system bringing people back and forth and what should become by 2028 a pretty routine schedule. A large amount of the early work and early experiments should be pioneering efforts that make the next stage on Mars easier and more practical. 
This developmental work should be built into the planning for the lunar development from the very first day. As America develops the moon, beginning at the South Pole, where the possibility of water ice is greatest, there will be major opportunities for our allies to participate in this great historic venture. Between the moon, Mars, and beyond, there will be lots of opportunities for a freedom coalition to work together. Creating the first permanent American base at the moon's South Pole gives us the best opportunity to find water ice. Ice can be turned into fuel and atmosphere. When combined with 3D printing and robotics, a South Pole manufacturing center begins to offer dramatic opportunities to prepare for the longer, more complicated project of occupying and developing Mars. The experience of operating in one-sixth the gravity of Earth and manufacturing and mining in a dangerous environment will teach many lessons necessary to survive and prosper on Mars. In the early phases of development, it is much safer to develop these new skills on the moon rather than Mars. We will make mistakes, and we will have accidents and other problems. The moon is a very short trip for a rescue team compared to trying to respond to a crisis on Mars. NASA and the contracting community have not yet come to grips with how profound a change President Trump's commitment to developing the moon and Mars is compared to everything we have done up to now. When we come back, I'm going to talk about the changes we need in thinking about this bold new approach to development of moon and Mars. request for information, not just for getting to the moon, but for staying on the moon. Companies should be asked to propose both their plan for getting to the lunar surface and their plans for the first years of developing the moon. We spent the last half century focused on low Earth orbit and on science from instrumentation in space. Many of the projects are so technologically exquisite that they are testimony to the ingenuity and skill of the scientific and engineering community. Now, with a Moon-Mars development project, we have a new focus for scientists. As we build laboratories on the Moon, and shortly thereafter on Mars, what are the questions scientists will want to explore? And what are the structures and equipment they will need? The first phase of science on the Moon will be a lot like the early years of exploring Antarctica. An Antarctic winter offers many of the psychological and physical stresses our first generation of settlers will experience on the Moon and Mars. Because developing the Moon and Mars is such an extraordinary undertaking, we need a center of excellence focused on thinking through lunar-Mars development and dedicated to developing the tools and systems that the process will require. The best location for a Moon-Mars center of excellence striving to pull together the most creative thinking of both the government and the private sector is the NASA Ames Research Center in Mountain View, California. There is no other space facility located so close to the center of American technological and commercial innovation. The opportunity to create a genuine dialogue and partnership with the Silicon Valley community 
could both lead to a wide range of new solutions, transcending our more bureaucratic and traditional space companies, and could lead to a vast range of private resources being committed to developing the Moon and Mars. Strengthening the current NASA Ames Research Center and adding to it a federally funded research and development center, with both dedicated to inventing and thinking through the capabilities for developing both the Moon and Mars, would create the intellectual momentum we need to achieve the level of breakthroughs we're looking for. This should be designed from the beginning as a joint business-academic-government project. Furthermore, making a major investment in the heart of a solidly democratic state is a powerful reminder that developing the moon and Mars has to be an American project, not just a Republican project. President Trump's vision of a bold new surge into developing space has to become a project of the American people. When President Kennedy first announced in 1961 that America was going to the moon, a majority of Americans were skeptical. 58% questioned it, according to Gallup. That is why President Kennedy went to Rice University in 1962 and gave an eloquent defense of the importance of going to the moon. Similarly, today, we have to develop an American commitment to developing the moon and Mars as part of our very identity as a country that is always seeking a better future and greater opportunity. Part of growing broad support for the Moon-Mars Development Project has to be a series of public conferences in which everyone interested in contributing to the next great human adventure has an opportunity to participate. There's been far too much insider and lobbyist domination of thinking and working on space. As more people come to understand the scale of change and the opportunity inherent in the Moon-Mars Development Project, there will be a surge of interest in participating in one fashion or another. Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, Richard Branson, and the late Paul Allen are all proof that substantial private resources can be invested in space. As the scale of the Moon-Mars Development Project becomes clear, many more successful individuals and companies will join in. None of them are in today's Washington contracting lobbying system. At the other end of resources, there are literally hundreds of small companies, startups, and entrepreneurs who have new ideas, new solutions, new technologies, and new concepts. The current system either ignores them or smothers them in red tape. Congress and the Trump administration should develop legislation incentivizing private investment by passing legislation removing taxation from activities on the lunar surface, along with a structure similar to the one used in the oil and gas industry that would allow companies doing business in cislunar space and the moon to expense intangible and capital costs in the year incurred. This would extend to investment tax breaks as well to help to defray risk involved in such ventures and to encourage more entries rather than just well-financed existing entities. Finally, there are a growing number of colleges and universities with both human and financial resources that have an interest in space. Many of these can bring their own and their alumni's resources to support the development of the Moon, Mars, and beyond. We will need a new, more open approach to idea and resource gathering. On a project of this scale, a whole new approach is needed to maximize open source acquisition of ideas and resources. It will be the opposite 
of the traditional bureaucratic control model that limits inputs, controls activities, and seeks to limit participation to approved participants. One step may be to build an open-ended Moon-Mars Development Project Association with a strong social media network that allows every interested person to be connected, informed, and involved. Every American interested in the economic development of the solar system should be invited to participate. Another vital step is to develop a strong outreach to every student in the country to get them to understand their future opportunities in space. The response to Sputnik and the Apollo program led to a strong increase in students studying science, technology, engineering, and math. If the Moon-Mars Development Project is explained to every student in America, the number of STEM students will go up dramatically. NASA Administrator Jim Bridenstine captured this spirit when he said, quote, I have a daughter who's 11 years old, and I want her to be able to see herself in the same role as the next woman that go to the moon. Close quote. Our goal should be to get every young American dreaming that they could have an exciting life developing resources beyond Earth. It may be desirable for some of the existing space advocacy groups to work together in association with NASA to build an online association of young space pioneers for students K-12 through who want to go into space and to help develop the Moon and Mars and explore space opportunities everywhere. Every member of Congress and every governor and state legislator should be asked to participate in involving students in the program. This will also help the elected officials understand the potential of the Moon-Mars Development Project as they communicate with students back home. How do we defend this new venture in space? The scale of development will require a space-based security regime. The growth of vital assets at low Earth orbit, combined with the Moon-Mars Development Project, make it essential that the Space Force attains and maintains dominance in space-based warfighting. The Chinese and Russian efforts in military space make clear that the United States will have to develop an unchallengeable capability to fight and win in space. The massive reliance of both military and commerce activities requires an ability to safeguard assets at low Earth orbit, which are vital for everything from GPS to communications to maintaining the operability of ATM machines to weather forecasting. The list is virtually endless. The development of the Moon and Mars and beyond will create new zones of vulnerability, including key spots in space, the actual developmental bases on the lunar and Mars surface, and the growth of commerce between the various developed sites. They all will require an ability to defend them. Creating the Space Force and investing enough human and financial resources to make it unchallengeable is a key requirement for a successful American space program. How do we defend this new venture on Earth? As the Air Force Research Lab and Defense Innovation Unit recently reported, there is a comprehensive Chinese effort to undermine and weaken our space activities here on Earth, stealing intellectual property, buying small entrepreneurial startups, flooding some markets with massively subsidized prices no commercial company can compete with, and other predatory behaviors. The United States will have to win the space development race both on Earth and in space.
This will require much more effective government defense of American industries from predatory and often illegal Chinese behavior. But can this really be done? This bold, dramatic program cannot be done within the traditional bureaucracies or within a partisan context. The vision of Americans developing the moon and Mars has to become an American vision, and the Congress has to commit itself to both funding the developments and to supporting the reforms necessary for the government to be effective. The current bureaucracy could not achieve the goals President Trump has outlined, even with much more funding. It would be too slow and too focused on slow, controlled development with a bias toward the big old contractors and their lobbyists and an aversion to shifting from transportation and satellites to landings and development as the central focus. What has to be developed must include a very large public-private partnership, including philanthropists, entrepreneurial startups, and pioneering academic institutions. Every contractor should have some skin in the game, starting with indefensible overruns on cost-plus contracts like the Space Launch System, Orion, and the Webb Telescope, which for an embarrassing number of years have had both time and cost overruns. Part of stretching the NASA budget should be money coming back in from the private sector and from philanthropists and partnerships for developing the moon and Mars. There should be no more cost-plus contracts. Companies should contract for performance and only be paid on performance. Developing the moon and Mars in a rapid program requires very bold new thinking that no bureaucracy can come up with on its own. The National Space Council should, working with NASA Administrator Bridenstine, establish three parallel planning groups run by NASA but with open involvement by the Council's user advisory group with open source opportunities for people to submit ideas and critique proposals. The three groups, simply A, B, and C, should be tasked to compete with each other in exploring every innovation that can develop the Moon and Mars faster and cheaper than the current plan. We need three different paths to planning innovation to maximize the flow of new ideas and new thinking. Congress should be asked to get involved in thinking through every method of getting the job done. This is a big enough series of projects over a long enough period of time. The project probably will only be fully mature around 2035, that a lot of people can contribute. Every aspect of pre-existing plans should be critically examined. There's a deep bias in any bureaucracy to relabel existing programs to fit new proposals and then justify them while rejecting less expensive options based on technologies which did not exist when the initial planning began. The Gateway Satellite is a good example of something which continues to survive in various permutations even when alternatives might be cheaper and faster. It is expensive, and the original rationale for it was before the focus on a lunar landing. In addition, it may be more expensive and less desirable given all the breakthroughs in competitive renewable launches and in other methods of providing the same capabilities. The external teams could weigh in on that option. As a non-technical person, the more I listen to the technical arguments for the Gateway, the less convinced I am. Rethinking Gateway would be a good first for potentially saving money, second for potentially developing a better facility using new and revolutionary capabilities, 
And third is a lesson to the bureaucracy to not cite pre-existing ideas just because they make the system feel better or serve as a hedge against policy changes in administrations or Congress. With a normal president and a normal Congress, the Moon-Mars development project would be a nice speech, which would then fade away as the budget realities, bureaucratic rejection, lobbying resistance, and congressional defense of traditional space pork combined to keep the system in the same over-budget, over-schedule, under-performance pattern, which has tragically been where the American space program has been since the 1972 decision by President Nixon to reduce America's ambitions from the moon to low-Earth orbit. For 47 years, we have been incrementally working in the same bureaucratic process with big presidential announcements, followed by congressional refusal to pay for the big project, followed by drawn-out survival programs that guaranteed cost and scheduling overruns. NASA has done many unmanned things brilliantly with exquisite science and engineering at amazing distances from Earth. NASA has maintained a steady flow of activities in low Earth orbit, and combined with the commercial world and the military, our capabilities and effectiveness in low Earth orbit have grown in sophistication, reliability, and volume. However, no president since John F. Kennedy has aroused the nation to encourage the Congress to fund a really big manned space program beyond low Earth orbit. The first big step towards implementation is earning the support of the American people. The administration, both in the White House and in NASA, in collaboration with the private sector, have to make earning public support the highest priority. At a time when the Pew Research Foundation reports that 63% of millennials indicate that they are definitely or probably interested in space tourism, there is good reason to believe a pro-space grassroots movement could be developed and could lead to much stronger congressional support for the pioneering effort. However, the great hope for untime, under-budget achievement is the Trump-Pence management system. The Trump administration has to relentlessly challenge the bureaucracy to do things faster, better, cheaper. Without dramatic improvements in cost and speed, the NASA system has no realistic likelihood of beginning to develop the moon in 2024 and beginning to develop Mars by 2034. However, by applying the entrepreneurial principles of President Trump and Vice President Pence, both goals become possible. Remember that the Wolman Rink has a real potential impact on the Moon-Mars development project. Now, you may wonder why I bring up the Wolman Rink, but every person involved in designing and implementing the Moon-Mars development project should know the story of Donald J. Trump and the Wolman Rink. The Wolman Rink was a very popular site for ice skating in 1980 when it broke. You could tell it had broken because it had no ice. The New York City bureaucracy spent six years and $13 million trying to fix the rink. Much like the NASA and Defense Department bureaucracies, they hired a company with a remarkably elaborate and sophisticated system with only one problem. It did not work. You could tell it did not work because there was no ice after six years and $13 million. Trump's apartment looked out over the skating rink, and he got tired of the failure. He taunted Mayor Koch until, in exasperation, the mayor challenged him to fix it. Trump fixed the skating rink in four months, 
for $2,250,000. The first year, 225,000 people used the skating rink. By hiring the best ice rink repair company in the world, a Canadian firm that worked on a lot of professional hockey stadiums, Trump reached beyond the bureaucratic norm and got the job done. It is an historic fact that in the Woolman Rink Project, Trump achieved the goal in one-fifth the cost and one-eighteenth the time the city bureaucracy had used in failing. Everyone involved in the Moon-Mars Development Project should think every day about how to save time and money in the Woolman Rink tradition. Normal bureaucratic explanations of running late or cost overruns should be signals to change the system and possibly the personnel. Now, the Woolman Rink is reinforced by Vice President Pence's implementation principles. Speaking March 26, 2019, to the National Space Council in Huntsville, Alabama, Vice President Pence outlined the principles which would make possible an on-time achievement of President Trump's goals for space. These five principles are so compelling that they should be at the heart of planning and implementing the Moon-Mars Development Project. Principle one, establish a big goal and then stick to it. As Vice President Pence said, Failure to achieve our goal, to return an American astronaut to the moon in the next five years, it's not an option. Principle two, be prepared to reach outside of the traditional bureaucracy to new entrepreneurial private companies if it is necessary to get the job done. We're not committed to any one contractor. If our current contractors can't meet this objective, then we'll find ones that will. If American industry can provide critical commercial services without government development, then we'll buy them. And if commercial rockets are the only way to get American astronauts to the moon in the next five years, then commercial rockets it will be. Principle three, be willing to change the bureaucracy rather than abandon the goal. As Vice President Pence said, We will call on NASA not just to adopt new policies, but to embrace a new mindset. That begins with setting bold goals and staying on schedule. Vice President Pence recognizes that a new mindset is more important than new money. A new mindset is necessary because more money poured into failing systems simply leads to more expensive failures. Principle four be determined to change the bureaucracy in fundamental ways. As Vice President Pence said, NASA must transform itself into a leaner, more accountable, and more agile organization. If NASA is not currently capable of landing American astronauts on the moon in five years, we need to change the organization, not the mission. Principle five, urgency must replace complacency. What we need now is urgency. But it's not just competition against our adversaries. We're also racing against our worst enemy, complacency. I believe this is our generation's chance to change human history in a positive way. We have been given a remarkable opportunity to be the generation that breaks humans free from Earth and moves us into the unknown. We have a chance to turn Star Trek and every movie about pioneering into space into a reality. We have a chance to have space become the home of freedom rather than tyranny and the home of the rule of law instead of dictatorship. President Trump has outlined an historic mission which must become an American mission and must be implemented with the courage, the energy, 
and the drive that its importance deserves. Now it is up to us to figure out how to get it done. Thank you for listening. You can read more about the future of space, including my op-ed in Newsweek, on our show page at newtsworld.com. Newt's World is produced by Westwood One. Our executive producer is Debbie Myers, and our producer is Garnsey Sloan. Our editor is Robert Borowski, and our researcher is Rachel Peterson. Our guest booker is Grace Davis. The artwork for the show was created by Steve Penley. The music was composed by Joey Salvia. Special thanks to the team at Gingrich 360 and Westwood One's John Wardock and Robert Mathers. Please email me with your comments at newt at newtsworld.com. If you've been enjoying Newt's World, I hope you'll go to Apple Podcast and both rate us with five stars and give us a review so others can learn what it's all about. On the next episode of Newt's World, we're revealing the real motivations behind global trade tariffs, state subsidies, dumping and transshipment. These are all examples of how foreign countries cheat on global trade. My guest is David Ross, a global trade specialist and partner at Wilmer Hale. The solar industry is one that has been dramatically impacted by Chinese subsidies and Chinese dumping of solar cells in the U.S. market. I'm Newt Gingrich. This is Newt's World. The Westwood One Podcast Network. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action and last lap passes for the win. Photo finish. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network.